0: how's it guys welcome back to freedom fanatics my name is alex and yet again i'm joined by my esteemed colleagues sholin and Tiejo for this week's edition of freedom fanatics remember guys to follow at badge of liberty on your favorite social media channels you'll find us there the show premieres every tuesday at 6 p.m so on that note guys it was a bit of a wild start to the weekend for yourself, Tiyojo, and that's how we're going to kick off our episode this week with a bit of a bit of a, a story. So, you were in Pretoria on Friday, um, trying to get home to Polokwane. What happened?
1: No, I was in Pretoria at Semi Marks trying to get to Arcadia, not, not not to Polokwane. Okay. So I ordered um, Texify and i was standing if you are familiar with the area you'll know that on the side of 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 on the woodward side of semi marks there is a taxi rank out out there i was standing just by the taxi rank and when the cab finally arrived it could not collect me from that spot the driver had to drive a bit further away from there Simply because um, he was scared of taxi drivers and metered taxi dri- meter taxi drivers who have previously of course damaged his car for 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 simply making mm. a delivery at one of the ranks. Of course, we know that's illegal, but yeah it's something that's been happening in the country. I just found that to be quite crazy, especially the fact that people in Pretoria are familiar with this thing and it's it's, it's something normal, you know. When mm. I got to my brother's place and told him about the experience, he told me that no, it's a normal thing. Um, Taxify, Uber, and and stuff of that nature. Our e-hailing service providers are not allowed to mm. make collections next to taxi ranks because mm. yeah, their lives are threatened. I think it's a it's a crazy thing that's happening in the country, and yeah, we should certainly unite as society and try to fight this. Otherwise. There is no free enterprise in our country anymore, and yeah, that would yeah. be a disaster for us in our economy.
0: No, exactly. I love that you bring it back to the idea of free enterprise and the impact that it has on the economy, but also on, on people's livelihoods. And obviously, when, when we chatted about this, uh, this issue, you highlighted some previous instances where it's occurred, and obviously, this has been going on for, for years now. Um, you know, there's been issues in Pretoria, there's been issues in Joburg. Cape Town's had its own share of licensing issues, that kind of thing. So now you've got this conflict of private sector innovation versus est- established industries. And there's always that conflict. But I, I think the, the idea of threats to safety is really, ne- is never a good thing. And obviously we, we have threats to our, to our safety in all sorts of manifestations. Um, but this is obviously just one way privately that it affects people. So I'm just going to run through some of the stories that we, to sort of, Give some context to this. So, Tioca, the first story that you shared with me was a tw- from June 2017, and this was where an Uber driver uh, was set alight um, in Sunnyside, which I believe is in the Pretoria area. Um, yep. September 2017, two taxified vehicles were set alight again in Pretoria, um, and. The spokesperson for Santaka, which is the South African National Taxi Association, I can't remember the entire uh, acronym, um, and he said that the violence was sparked by unequal competition. Um, and then again in 2018, uh, also in Pretoria, a 21 year old uh, CEO Bonga Nobo was burnt, and he was a yeah, taxi fire driver. Um, he was burnt in the boots of his car, which is too awful to to even comprehend. <laughs> yeah. um, so, Sholin, I think as as uh, Teoko alluded to, the idea of the, of free enterprise um, is super important. I mean, you know yeah. how do we how do we draw the line um, between innovation? And working with established businesses you know it's this competition you know if you you have an e-hailing service it's much more efficient it's much more with the times how do we how do we square that circle you know how do we make sure that because we it's almost like a mafia thing you know you've got my roots unequal competition but it's someone's bringing a product that is just more efficient
2: yeah yeah that's exactly true Alex Um, and I mean I said as the taxi violence um, is I think it is that it is an indicator um that um competition is actually taking place um mm-hmm. even though it's between the you know traditional taxi industry and newer services like taxify and bolt and uber um and one thing we know that is that competition always um not always but competition is a great motivator encourager for innovation and unfortunately in the South African Um, Context, um, innovation tends to struggle a lot around here and it it actually also comes down to um, the failing role that the government is actually supposed to play in situations like this. Because two crucial roles of the government is to be a mediator of contracts between individuals. It's meant to protect um, citizens' um, properties as well as protecting citizens from criminal activity. And in this very case the I feel like the state is supposed to be a neutral mediator between traditional um the, the tax industry and newer foreign investors or local um e-laying services that are being produced and once again I feel like it's clear that they are failing on all parts whether it's protecting um the newer um e- services like Uber and as well as making it easier for the traditional taxi industry to do business. Because I have to be honest, I can see it from both sides, as bad as things are. Because at the same time, the taxi industry is struggling when it comes to things like um, higher petrol prices, which definitely negatively impacts the ease of doing business. And mm-hmm. at the same time, safety and security is not being provided for the newer services like Uber. So mm. I think that, yeah, we are in quite a difficult situation right now. Yeah.
0: Mm. No, I mean, absolutely. There's so much nuance to it. But, I mean, yeah, we've got issues of free enterprise. We've got safety and security. Yeah. We've got the rule of law and law yes. and order all coupled into, into one issue. So it's by no means easy. And I think, Tiaoko, this actually just really highlights why an, a capable state is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't look at these things in silos. Um, and I think what, one thing I was, that, that struck me when I was going through the, these um, articles was that obviously this now goes back five years at least this, this sort of trail of, of story of reporting. In 2017, the transport minister was Joe Maswangani. In 2018, it was Blade Zimande, and now it's Fikile Mbalula. And then in 2017, Fikile Mbalula was the police minister. And now, obviously, we know Bekitele is the police minister, and he used to be the police minister, and before he was chucked out for some, um, some sort of fraudulent uh, activity with regards to to building leases in in Pretoria. So, what we've got is instead of having accountability from at a ministerial level, literally at the highest level, we have literally we're just shuffling the the the, the, the deck of cards. Um, how do we, how do we get around that? How do we get uh, the, you know, law and order, the rule of law, and the idea of the capable state, um, because that seems to underlie this issue, because it is so, so complex.
1: I think, you know, I, it's, 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 it's questions I've been thinking about, actually, uh, throughout the weekend. How, how to mm. we get to that point? And I think the answers to the questions are quite simple. Very very simple. Although politicians on a daily basis make it appear as though it's it's, it's it's hard questions to answer. You know, one, you need competent people in government. That's that's what you need. Number two, you need a limited government. Government should be focused. Should focus uh, all its attention and resources on things that concern it as a government. Uh, things such as the private enterprise, how things are ran there as far as uh, daily interactions, uh, daily transactions, sorry, our consent, for example, are not things that government should be concerning themselves about. Government should get rid of things like the minimum wage. And, 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 and the, lesser thing, the lesser you intervene in the market economy, the more time, the more resources you have to focus on important things such as keeping citizens safe ensuring Mm, that uh, uh, laws are abided by and stuff of that nature but now we have a government that's all over the scene trying to do everything failing at that failing at that for that matter Mm. Uh, incompetent a bunch of incompetent people it's 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 a crisis it's a mess Mm. really Mm. and yeah the solution is quite simple competent people a limited government that focuses on important things and yeah Mm. the country will move forward in, in that fashion
0: yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, we've, yeah, just the simple concept of accountability. You know, when last did we see a, a minister sort of fall on his sword? Well, except for, uh, Zolim Kizu, kind of, yeah, too many digital vibes for him. Uh, but I mean, Sholin, yeah. we look at it from a context of, you know, you're based in Cape Town. The train lines in Cape Town have been absolutely hammered. And that in part is because the, the, the railway network is a national, no. Is a national competency. Um, you know, so again, here we could maybe look at um, decentralizing yes, the transport yeah. responsibilities. Where, where do you think that would fall into, you know, to helping to solve a crisis of its separate nature in the same industry in your yeah. community effectively?
2: Exactly, yes. Um, I feel like that, would. Dude- be a really great way to start exactly. If if the railways specifically are, you know, if, if Prasa, um, who essentially is responsible for our railway services, um, if they give off the railways actually to the municipality or like to the city of Cape town, essentially, um, so that other people can actually have responsibility for those, um, railways and the transport systems because those people that are actually, you know, like the mayor of Cape Town, for example, he understands way better the needs Mm. and the requirements of the citizens in our area for where railways are needed in the most, whereas Asakile Mbalulu, he's Mr. Fix and clearly has not been fixing anything, my guy. Mm, (laughs) And and that's why I'm like, yeah, they cannot be everywhere as the EU sees. Mm.
0: No, I think it's I think it's great. I mean, it's it's so interesting to go from experiencing, an a sort of uh, yeah. a, a glitch almost, or a a compromise in in accepting a private service that unveils all these all these issues and relating to to effective gov- governance at the end of the day. Um, and I think. Yeah, I think when we move on to our next story, which is actually shouldn't shouldn't be as shocking as it is because it is a trend that has been going on for a really long time. Yeah. And, you know, in Jan, we look at education stats and everyone comes out and we'd have students who do awesome. And then now it's March, we're two months in and we see headlines such as this where almost 160,000 pupils haven't returned to the classroom. Um, now, we, we 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 have access to to data that we've been tracking for 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 over a decade. That we know that these trends are not not unusual. Um, we know that fifty percent of of learners uh, drop out of school by the time they get to grade ten. So I think you know if we dig into some of these numbers, Shalini, we were chatting before the show that. You know the highest number of pupils who dropped out in relation to their grades was grade seven, um, grade ten, and then grade eleven was the high. Uh, grade ten was the highest, followed by by grade eleven. Um, you know, and th- there's all sorts of reasons for this. Um, but surely you 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 spoke to to some some education experts recently, and you know what? Clearly, money is not money allocation is not the issue. Yeah. So where where do you think the problems lie? Um, more broadly then?
2: Um, yeah, I think the, definitely um, that the uh, problems actually lie at the competence of some of the leaders in um, our education system, because money in our education system is really not, the, mm. not really a problem, because it's one of the highest areas that South African, South African government actually invests um, finances into. And when I'm speaking about competence, one person I will look at is um, our Minister of Education, who is Angie Mucheha. I mean, this lady has been in a position for nearly 13 years.
0: And yeah, I have to right. tell
2: you, I don't know who she blackmailed to be yeah. able to keep that job for 13 years and fail mm. at it miserably. It does not make sense. Um, she has not even been able to get the results mm. um, that, you know, that's expected for the amount of money that we invest mm. into our education. And that's why we shouldn't be looking when, when this, I think she's actually a perfect example of cadre deployment, because when she was instilled, it was not because, um, you know, she was this brilliant um um intellectual on matters of mm. education. No, that's not what it was about. It was about the loyalty to the ANC, to the party mm. that um that runs our government. That's the reason why she has um been in this position for so long. Um, and mm. that is essentially wrong because especially in that highlight in that in the in the title of that article, Alex, it's important to note that It specifically refers to public schools that have been failing Mm. South Africans and it does not refer to private schools um, Mm. because they have been such brilliant performers um, Mm. and is essentially keeping up our education system single-handedly at this point, if I'm being honest. Absolutely. And we also need to really start breaking down that mentality when people we hear private schools, they immediately think, oh no, this has to be an elite school. Um, we mm. only whites are allowed. Because I can tell you that honestly, that is not the case. Many mm. private schools actually cater for working class families, for poor communities, and they have actually been the ones who have actually being able to give the best performance when it comes to graduates,
0: mm. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's it's, it's such a great point because I mean, you look at uh, a business model. A Cura yeah. runs schools like a business, and now you know we've chatted about things like Uber, things like Taxify. Taxify doesn't necessarily like. We're not saying that private enterprise is the holy grail. We know that Taxify has had its own um, yeah. issues. You know, their safety concerns. Um, there's been recent rape, um, allegations of drivers, that kind of stuff. But, you know, obviously bringing it back into a school sense, there is a gap in the market and it's being filled by private individuals. And I mean, therefore, so the one thing that, that was beyond the 160,000 kids who are now sitting at home, who knows what they're Absolutely. doing. Um, and that there's a myriad of reasons why, why kids haven't returned. But beyond that, there are almost 10,000 teachers. Teaching posts that haven't been filled. And we've seen issues with placement of medical students in there to do their community service. They're just left hanging because that is something that the, is reliant on the government. So, yeah. you know, can we learn from some, some of the solutions to, uh, you know, dealing with the, the issue of, of, of uh, private enterprise and, and transport? Can we translate that to education as well?
1: Definitely, you know, Alex. I I think from grade one to grade five, yeah, I went to a township school in in a township called Lu, Luwakhu Mu here in Limpopo. I then was transferred to a former Model C school in grade six till grade seven. Then I moved to to a Kiro school from grade eight to grade twelve, mm. and I can tell you there's 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 a difference between these three schools. Uh, The first school, really, the first school I went to, the primary school that was run by government entirely, how it was run was really nonsensical. Uh, It's quite clear that the government is not committed to the education sector of of Mm -hmm. our country. It's not committed to delivering the best quality uh, 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 education. Mm -hmm. When you compare the first school I went to with Curo, and, and and taking into consideration the fact that the fees are not that different, uh, the, 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 there's a difference in the fees, but it's not that much that it would it it should impact the quality of the education so much, you know. But it is the case that Curo offers a much better quality of education than the primary school I went to, which was run by the government. Mm-hmm. And so having experienced both sides of the world. Mm-hmm. I would I would argue that yeah we should go the private route and open up the 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 the, the environment as much as possible more for the for for, for private enterprises to open up schools and yeah mm. take it in that direction the the voucher the whole conversation around schooling vouchers government should give um, parents vouchers so they can choose schools yeah. for their children and everything can mm. take their children to private schools and everything that that vision should come to life and. Mm. I do believe that it da- if it does come to life, uh, there will be a lot of improvement in our education sector mm. given that currently the government really is, is not simply not committed to fixing our education system. Mm, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, Alex,
2: if I can add one more point to Diego's, um comment there, is that yeah, I also really think that it's important that if we want to look at the health of a of any country, we should first look at the quality and the state of the education system because I feel like the state um, mm. of the education system is where the leaders are actually formed for that nation that's where the, the future leaders um, and visionaries for that country are being developed and mm. if we want to really check in South Africa um, why our why some of the leaders um, of this country have actually been failing us miserably I think we should have a a pretty deep and really intricate look at our education system first. Yeah.
0: No, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, shona let, let, let's just wrap this up very briefly with a, a sort of personal experience. You know, this we've talked about basic education. Um, you know, averaging close to, on three hundred billion rand is allocated to education. It's twenty percent of of public spending, way above emerging market partners. Uh, well, similar countries to ourselves. Um, but now, you've, do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience before we head on to, to burning questions with Mbali, just a bit about your experience with NASFASC? Obviously, you're, 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 at, you're at university. Um, tell us a little bit about that, that process. Obviously, now we're a little bit down the line. You know, we've lost 160,000 students already this year in the basic education system. Little, a few of those are dribbling through to matric, getting a, a bachelor's degree. 4% of those are passing with a matric that, um, the, with a pass in mathematics. Now we're at university, you're in that situation. Yeah. Working with NASFAS, what's your experience been like this year?
2: Yes, um, definitely. We really see that during the basic education um, years, things are not going well. And I don't mean to be discouraging, but after um, people are matriculated or dropped out of school, whatever the case may be, Things do not get any better, (laughs) unfortunately, Um, especially with regards to Nesvash, who is um, a government-funded bursary, um, which I um, am a beneficiary of myself. Um, I have been, for the past few months, many students who are on Nesvash bursary can tell you that we have been struggling with regards to getting any sort of funding, getting any source of communication from um, the uh, government regarding the funding because many students are very much dependent on the financial support that they receive from um, Mm. the government, unfortunately, especially when it comes to working class families. And they have definitely been failing miserably the last few months with regards to cancelling some students. Um, bursaries and, you know, reverting the acceptances, a lot of incompetence happening and just getting basic responses from them has been the most difficult thing um, Mm -hmm. that any student at the start of the academic year could possibly experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's really something that um, needs to be fixed. And maybe um, we, Mr. Fix, can do something about it. Yeah.
0: No, exactly. I mean, it's, it's 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 yeah we're actually just putting students like through the most the absolute most mm-hmm. i mean some of the other issues that were were, were flagged uh, for why students aren't returning you know you've got overcrowding you've got um mm-hmm. insufficient facilities things have washed away um toilets aren't repaired all that kind of joyful stuff that uh kids need but i and i think i mean i'd love to go into a whole conversation about how kind of your experience children with NASA yeah. kind of feeds into the whole debate around Fusma's Fall and I'm sure Tiago would have much to say on that but I think yeah. we would probably need a whole episode dedicated to that so we'll leave it there and we'll <coughs> welcome in uh, for Burning Questions but guys in the meantime remember to follow at Badger of Liberty the show airs every Tuesday at 6pm so I think that's all we have for today uh, before we jump into Burning Questions Vale.
3: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Hashtag Burning Questions. Hi, Alex. Hi, Shaolin. Hi, Diego. I'm Bali. Yay. So, guys, today, the code card that we are looking at, uh, I think it relates to what you guys were talking about. Um, a lot of um, failure is included in it. Um, and this code card is from William Gumede and it reads, The ANC has become the greatest risk of South Africa's growth, social peace and inclusive nationhood. We often talk about a failed state in the context of a total collapse of a government at all fears but thanks to the ANC we can now correctly talk about a failed party. Um, I think Diego you can go first. Your thoughts on this quote card?
1: Yeah well I think Above above the ANC being an issue, people who vote for the ANC, that's, that's, that's where the fundamental problem lies. And the ANC is a political party, political parties are born, political parties die, and mm. it's the people who give life to political parties that are really doing nonsensical things in government who, who are the main issue, you know. So, yeah. whether the ANC is a failed party or not, some of us, or I personally at least, um, <laughs> I couldn't care less whether it, 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 it grows or it lessens or what. But yeah, I'm concerned about people who are voting for it, bringing it back into government um, despite the many wrong things it, it keeps on doing.
3: Yeah, definitely. Do that sounds very personal. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're Alex,
0: maybe let's come to you before we go to uh, comments the show then. Mm, no, for sure. I'll I'll, I'll touch I'll touch on the sort of first aspect of that quote, and I think SA's growth 100%. Uh, you know, we've spoken about regressive policies at the Institute, we've spoken at length about the, the impact to investment that ideas such as expropriation without compensation has, uh, nice. how issues uh, regulation of private sector uh, businesses to do business through race-based re- legislation. Uh, we know how that damages uh, private enterprise. Um, and I think the the, the thing is the, the, the ANC is a racial nationalist party. And so when you trumpet any sort of racial nationalism, it is going to be exclusive. And so yep. when we all speak about inclusivity and transformation, um, you know, we, we all know what that means. And unfortunately, it is to the judgment of the country. And I think, yeah, to, to echo what Tiago what says, whether parties rise and fall all the time, um, yeah. a failed party probably at this stage is to the benefit of all of us. And I think probably yep. in just being a little bit in response to Tiago is that, you know, I think there, there is a large sentiment among our population that a social grant comes from the ANC. Um and so a lot of people think that, ooh, well, ooh, if I don't give them my votes, yeah,
3: um, there goes my grant.
0: There too. goes my grant. So, mm. hmm.
3: Which is tough, but you know tough times never last, you know. That's that's yeah. that's, that's that's the that's okay. yeah, that's the gist of it. Um maybe let's go to the first comment. Um the first one is, why is the public afraid of a couple of idiots? Sholin, would you maybe <laughs> want to answer that for us? Why is the um, public afraid of a couple of idiots?
2: Um, firstly, I would like to say that, um, yeah, I, they are definitely idiots, um, these, these uh, ANC officials in these high positions. But I think we shouldn't forget the power that they yield. Um, essentially, yeah. because we would not be badgering them and, um, you know, constantly criticizing or com- making commentary on the actions that they do if they did not have any power. It yeah. is very true that they do yield a significant amount of power as the executive of our, of our government. Um, yeah. And we cannot ignore that. But I yeah. should also highlight that I don't think South Africans are any longer um, afraid of any... Um, you know, leaders in this country because yeah. as the quote card that we have discussed mentions is that the ANC have become a failed party. And if we just look at the previous elections we had in this country, for the first time in South Africa's democratic history, the ANC fell below 50%. And that yeah. is going to be a historic moment that has yeah. already been a historic moment for our country because in our next elections in 2024, we might actually There's a great possibility for the first time we might see a government that is made up of a coalition of smaller parties instead Mm. of the ANC actually running this government. And if anything, that right there is an indication that South Africans are not scared of any idiot that might occupy a position in government. Yeah,
3: definitely. But, you know, there might be that one granny in Sechel who wants to vote for the ANC. I suggest that, you know, the grandkids kidnap the granny for that day so that they don't <laughs> <well>. Because, wow. <laughs> but okay, let's go to maybe um, the last uh, comment, which is very, I, I think it's very weird. I don't know where this person is coming from, but the, the comment reads, this is why we fought the border war, to keep the communist ANC out of South Africa, because we knew that we knew what was going to happen and today we are experiencing the effects of giving South Africa without a fight. I don't know, um, Diego, maybe you will understand where this person is coming from. Who is he talking about when he says we fought? Obviously, I don't know, maybe you don't know him personally, but what do you think he was talking to?
1: Well, yeah, I think, I think context is everything. Uh, mm. None of us, I, I don't mm. think, I can't pick up this person is talking about what they are talking about Uh, it sounds like they are someone's spokesperson though i don't know (laughs) i I just don't know who they are speaking on behalf of yeah and whether they were appointed self-appointed or what so yeah i I don't know what they're talking about or for who they are talking about yeah i would like to know for, yeah Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. because this
3: comment is under this code card and it's like Okay, guys, we like engagement, but, like, context, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, especially with the border, what I'd like to note is that we, um, South Africa, during our party years, I think we were still the Union of South Africa back then, we fought the border war um, against Namibia. SWAPO oh, yes. was also a communist party in Namibia. So the border mm-hmm. actually was regarding the independence of Namibia. Um, that's if I remember yeah. correctly. And, yeah, I also, I would also caution about keeping just people out, even if they are mm-hmm. communists, um, because yeah. I don't think we just exclude people. We actually invite them to the battlefield of ideas and prove yeah. them wrong. So that would be a much better mm-hmm. um, tactic to use than just trying to keep communists out.
3: Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Um, guys, I think that no. was the short and sweet um Pending questions for this week um thank you so much guys for joining me um in this episode and your freedom is worth fighting for (laughs)